Hey there, my name is Ben Ramos, and you are listening to the Rise Church Podcast. We are a church in southeastern Idaho that is dedicated to sound biblical theology, coupled with the authentic power of God. Our true hope is that this podcast would help you to continue to grow and taking steps in your relationship with Jesus. I hope you feel empowered today. I hope you feel encouraged today, and I hope you feel uplifted. God bless you. Enjoy the podcast. Some of us really needed to declare that this morning, that I'm going to see a victory. And so we just come before you, Jesus, and we thank you for that perspective, that the battle's already won, that you've already defeated death. God, that we get to stand with you through the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus Christ. This good news, this gospel message is that you have come and that we get to reign with you. We get to be with you forever and ever. And it's not us waiting for that, but it's now. We get to enter into that relationship now. We get to feel and recognize and see your presence now. We get to see your power being released now. We thank you for it right now, Jesus. I pray that you would stir up a fresh fire in this place. Stir up a fresh passion in us. God, would there be a fresh passion for prayer, a fresh passion for your word, a fresh passion for evangelism, a fresh passion for freedom, a fresh passion for breaking off the chains of addiction and bondage and breaking free from sinful patterns. God, we just declare that over this place, over this region, over this whole area. You're on the move, Jesus. What it looks like for us to stand here and say that I'm gonna see a victory is looking out across these streets and seeing people after people after household after household after block after block giving their lives to Jesus and not stopping there but becoming on fire for you. And so we just pray over that right now, God. Holy Spirit, would you come and do what your word declares that you would do, that you would convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, that you would draw unto yourself, that you would open blind eyes, that you would soften hard hearts. God, open eyes to the truth of who you are. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus, you are it. You're it. And we're here to declare your rule and reign, that your kingdom has come. Your kingdom is here now. And we declare that we are those who are submitted to your rule and reign. We're submitted to your kingdom. And so we want to see, God, what you have in store for us. We want to play that role. God, and we thank you for all the other churches in our region. We just pray over them right now in Jesus' name for a fresh outpouring upon them. God, each of the pastors, each of the the congregation members, we thank you, God, that you are specifically leading and placing each part within the body of Christ to look a specific way. God, and so would you empower each of us to be who you're calling us to be so that we would play that role in your kingdom that you've called us to be. I pray for a fresh empowerment and fresh vision this morning that would not stop here at our doors, but would wash across our region. That fresh vision of who you're calling us to be, of the gifts that you've given us, the ways that you've specifically empowered us and are calling us to function to see your kingdom advanced. We're gonna see advancement. We're gonna see a victory. 
And I proclaim it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. And thank you for just all the, the, the honor this morning. I'm so, I'm so privileged. I'm so blessed to be um, a, part of, a part of this church. I'm, I'm so glad uh, that I get to call you church family. Um, it's, it really is a privilege. Pastoring is, you know, on Sundays, it's the absolute best thing I could ever think of. And then 10 minutes later, it's like the worst thing I could ever dream of. Yeah. For, for real. Um, and I think really what, what keeps me going is the promise that God's given us as a church and uh, the role that he's calling us to play within the body of Christ here in this region. By no means do we say that we're the only thing happening. God's doing a lot of stuff in the area. It's so cool. It's so cool to see the different ways that God is moving within the different parts of the body of Christ. Our role is to push forward this environment of the power of God still being alive today. And so we're being an effective Trinitarian church, not a Bitarian church that just believes in God the Father and God the Son, but we believe that the Holy Spirit is still God, that he is still here with us, that he's still doing the same stuff that he did back then. And this is a part of our role, to be a church that expresses the authentic power of God, that leaves room for that, that leaves room for us to practice in it, and we believe in sound biblical theology, and so we give focus, we give focus to both. Really, my heart at, at this very moment for us as a church is that we would continue to grow in investigating what are those gifts that God's given me? How has God empowered me to be an encouragement to the body of Christ and to reach out to others? And uh, so I, I just wanna continue forward, continue pushing forward towards this, that this place would be a safe place to practice in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that this place would be the perfect place for imperfect people, that we would all come together and just continue to, to mesh, continue to see the power of God just overflow. I don't know if anyone else is hungry for that. Um, yeah, we got three. Praise Jesus for the three. Maybe I can get four. Can I get four? Can I get four? Can I get a four? <laughs> Yes, amen. Well, I want to continue on um, in our series as we're working through the book of Joshua. Uh, we are in the 11th week, uh, and our title of our series is Claiming God's Promises, because we've all got promises that God's given us, and we've all got a role to play in claiming those promises. That means we've got something to do. It's not just to sit back and wait, and someday God's going to bring me my promise. I've got, I've got something to do. I've got a responsibility to move forward on. And as we are moving forward and claiming God's promises and saying, God, you spoke this to me and now I'm gonna step forward and I'm gonna claim this, one of the things that we need to do is we need to listen to God. We need to listen to God's voice. And I, I, I'm just passionate about this. So the, the title of the message is, What Am I Listening For? super practical. I like to get as practical as we can so that you guys can leave here and actually do the stuff. Someone say, I want to do the stuff. Yes, we want to do the stuff of the kingdom of God just like Jesus did because the Bible says that we're being conformed into his image, that we're to be looking more and more like Jesus every day. So this is our journey. Last week, we ended with this encounter with Joshua. We saw that Joshua was away from his camp with all his men, that he was up close to the walls of 
uh, uh, the walls of Jericho, right? And he's up close and there's this encounter with the commander of God's armies. He looks up and there he is, sword drawn. And Joshua asks him this question, valid question. He says, so like, are you on my side or are you on their side, right? You guys remember the answer? What did he say? No. He said, no, no, you, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. It's not about, am I on your side? The question is, because I come here and I'm on, this is God's side. This is God's side. So the real question is, are you on God's side? The real question is, who's leading who here, right? And we talked about how in Christianity, we kind of get this twisted sometimes, where we, we begin to say, oh, well, I'm leading my life. I'm gonna do what I wanna do in certain places. I'm gonna invite Jesus in, maybe Sundays, maybe once a month Sundays, maybe who knows how often when. But real walk with Jesus is saying, you command it all. You command every aspect of my life. It's, it's, it's yours, Jesus. And so who, who's leading who? And Joshua recognizes this moment of this commander of God's armies and he recognizes that he's saying, no, 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 this is God's side. And so he falls flat on his face before him, which is the rightful response as we're responding to, to Jesus. And for the past 10 weeks, we have been ramping up to this very moment. Come on, we wanna see those walls fall down, right? We're, we're coming forward to this, this moment, the walls of Jericho, and we've watched all of these steps of God preparing this to take place, of God prompting and speaking over his, his people. And finally, they're at the precipice of this transformative moment. And maybe today you find yourself in that place too, where you find your place, yourself close to the promise of God. And you're asking, you're, you're asking the question of, okay, what do we, what do we gotta do? What do we gotta do? And as I was thinking about this moment, I was just uh, remembering this instance with, uh, with Zadok. He was probably half of his, his age that he is currently. And he had his first set of walkie-talkies. And uh, so we, we had our walkie-talkies, and we would play this game where uh, he would be in another room, we'd get on there, and we'd be like, niner, niner, um, yep, Zadok, do you come in, sir? Yes, Dad, I'm here, right? And, and he would he would ask for instructions to get to where I was, was at. And I said, all right, here's where I'm at. I promise you I'm just around the corner. If you go down this dark hallway at the end and you turn left, and so I gave him this, this plan of what you're gonna do. I gave him this process of, of how you're gonna go. And there got to this moment where he just had to ask the question of, Shh, Dad, I don't see you. Hello, Dad. Shh. Dad, I don't see you. Son, it's because I'm around the corner at the end of the hall. Yeah, Dad, but I don't see you. Where, where are you? How do I know that you're actually there? And I, I just began to promise him. I said, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. But there had to become a point where he takes on this perspective where I believe that my dad is there. I believe that he's over there. I don't see him. My, the natural presence right now, what I see down this hallway or in this world around me as we put this into our own situations is I don't see God moving necessarily. I, I don't see him right there, but the promise is that he's there. The promise is that he's calling you towards something. 
And I see this being the place of Joshua here in this, in this moment. And so as we jump back into the story here in chapter six, um, I want to just give us four things this morning of, that we should be paying attention for um, as God is directing us and speaking into our life, as we're hearing the voice of God, as he's leading us towards the promises that he's laid in front of us. And the first is this, we ought to listen for the invitation into a purposeful paradigm. A purposeful paradigm, right? We, we get to this point where God is speaking to Joshua and he's saying, see, you guys remember that from last week? See, Joshua, he's right up against the wall, and you think about what Joshua would have been, would have been seeing. See, no, no, not the height of that wall, not how big the circumstance is. See, no, no, not the seemingly impermeable nature of this wall. See, not, no, not your own strategy of how you're gonna get through this issue. It's, and read this in, in verse two of chapter six. See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Listen, the prerequisite of a victorious event is victorious faith. The prerequisite of victorious events is victorious faith. And it's not just a, okay, I believe. I said it. I said the words, I believe, and that's, that's good, right? Hebrews illustrates faith as, as this in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so true faith is a repainting of the reality that you live in. It's saying, whoa, I, I, see, I see the situation this way, but God is saying that I should view it this way. God is saying I should view it as victorious already. It's already handed over to me. And so there's a repainting of the reality that we're living in. And that has to become something we're constantly reminding ourselves of. No, 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 no. no. This is the reality that God says. This is how I'm supposed to see this. So my challenge and my question right off the bat is, what's God calling you to view with true biblical faith? Not just saying, all right, God, I believe you but actually transforming that into a fresh perspective on the way that you view your situation. You see? It's, it, it, and I realize one of the things that we haven't talked about as we've been talking about claiming God's promises is what if you're not sure what, God, what promises God has on your life? Is anybody in that situation? You don't have to raise your hand, but you may be in that place. What, what promises has God given me? And so I want you to know that the prerequisite to receiving promises is proximity. A prerequisite to receiving promises is proximity. It's common for God to call us closer in. This is the very nature of our walk with Jesus. It's to get closer, get closer with Jesus, to know his voice all the more, to just naturally walk in this way where I'm automatically asking, God, what's your will in this situation? What do you do in the world around me? What are you doing right here, right now? How can you use me? And we're getting to this place of deeper relationship, closer relationship. And listen, as it comes to the promises of God in our life, we don't just want promises because that's for me, right? Because I, this would be so awesome for me. It would be so awesome if this took place in my life. If that's what I was preaching up here, y'all should leave straight up because that's selfish and that's not seeking the will of God. 
That's not what I'm saying when I'm talking about promises. So don't get it twisted. When I'm talking about promises, I'm saying we want to get to this place of seeking God and saying, God, I know that you are sovereign, that you have a vision and a plan for things to work out, and I want to know what my part is in your plan. And so he gives us promises along the way that go along with that plan for your life, which actually fits really well with what he's doing in the lives of other people. His sovereignty is so cool, right? And if we want to be aligned with God's plan for our life, we've, we've got to seek him, right? We've got to intentionally seek him and ask, ask those questions of God, what do you, what do you want to do? In fact, um, Jesus actually taught us that seeking out his plan and promises ought to be like a normal part of our life. This should be something we do on a normal basis. When he taught the disciples how to pray, he said, go into your prayer room and what? Shut the door. Close it. Close out all of those other distractions. Close out anything that's getting in the way from you giving me 100% of your attention. Close, close the door. How often are we doing that? Take inventory of, of our life. And when you pray, say, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's this really cool declarative part where you get to say, Jesus, thank you so much that you have come, that your kingdom is here right now, that it's continuing to grow. I know it's not fully there yet. We know that it's going to come in fullness when you return. But what's my role in the meantime? What's, what's my role within your plan? Where I stand right here, where I sit in this very room right now, what, what's, what's my role? And I, I, I just believe that as you humble your own plans and you humble your own visions, that it, it, you're saying, my life belongs to you. My future, it belongs to you. I wanna do whatever you wanna do. When you do that and you mean it, what you're doing is you're clearing out a space in your life so now God can place his vision and his promise into your life. Sometimes we just gotta get the crud out. I don't know if crud's something we say from the pulpit, but it is now. <laughs> so a prerequisite to receiving promises is, is proximity. Um, so the first step for Joshua is this purposeful paradigm. He says, see, this victory's already won. See, the city is, is already yours. I'm already giving it into your, your hands. And so we're going into situations now and saying, this is the way that God told me to view this perspective. And let me tell you, it, it's a battle, especially when it's a, a huge task because you're constantly seeing, you're constantly feeling, you're constantly hearing things that are opposing to what Jesus is saying, right? Just like Joshua it doesn't look like this city is all being, it, 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 that they're victorious over it yet. It looks like it's big and mighty. It looks like it's a huge hindrance. But he's being called to view this on the other end of things. So be aware of this. On your journey to seeing God's promise become a reality in your life, anticipate him challenging you to deeper levels of faith. Just anticipate that. And expect that God's gonna challenge your faith. And vice versa, where God is inviting you into greater steps of faith, when you feel that prompting like, oh, this looks impossible, but I know God is calling me to have faith in him, when that takes place, anticipate the promises being fulfilled. Amen? 
So there are three other things that I want us to listen to and that we see God speak to Joshua in this story, and that is the plan, the, prop, the process, and the purpose. The plan, the process, and the purpose. When we're seeking God for uh, what our next steps are, what our, our, our future looks like, what he has in store for us, what promises he has, we've gotta ask these questions. All right, God, speak to me the plan, the process, and the purpose, and or uh, any, any mix of, of these. And so we're standing at this place. All right, God, I've got my purposeful paradigm on. I believe that you've already won this. You've already done it. Now I just have to be faithful to walk it out. Someone say, walk it out. Walk it out. Back to Joshua chapter six. I'm gonna just uh, go back to verse one. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None of them went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, but uh, with its kings and mighty men of valor. You shall, and so now we get into the plan. God's giving them the plan of what they're supposed to do. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets, of ram's horns before the ark. And you're gonna see this number seven keep happening. Seven, 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 right? It, it, it happens over and over again. Now here's the thing. I know there's, this, is, this may be a little bit controversial to some, um, but that's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. We've got open-handed issues and we've got closed-handed issues. Things that are super crucial to believe, like Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and then maybe, maybe this one might be a little bit, little bit different, um, a little bit more um, open-handed, if you will. But uh, some people prescribe to um, understanding scriptures uh, and understanding such scriptures through something called numerology, where they, is, there's a study of numbers, and we, uh, they have assigned meanings, and you can just go ahead and uh, internet search what the spiritual number seven means. Here's my personal struggle with it. Um, I see a lot of patterns within scripture, I do. And some of those meanings that they give to them are great. Here's the issue, is that I don't see the Bible actually giving us clear directions on how to do numerology. You would think, right, if it gives us clear understanding on how to pray, on reading the scriptures, on, uh, uh, right, on, on discipleship. It, it lays these things out, but when it comes to numerology, it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually give us much um, insight and, and direction on how to do it. If we were supposed to do it correctly, I believe the Bible would have given us those directions. At the same time, it, it, that's a lot of sevens here within this verse to just be like, that's not purposeful especially if we believe God to have written things purposefully, right? And so some people, I, let, me just, uh, let me just summarize my, my stance on that, I guess, by, by saying this. We wanna major on the major things that are in the Bible and minor on the things that are minor in the Bible. And so where, where God gives more attention, boy, that's where we wanna give more attention. Where God doesn't give as much attention, we probably shouldn't give it as much attention, Right? And so here's where we uh, would see uh, uh, stuff. Uh, we would see um, this number seven like taking, taking place, especially like with the, the seven trumpets. What is this sound reminiscent of? Anybody? Revelation, thank you. It, it sounds a lot like Revelation. 
right? It sounds a lot like Jesus coming back. We know that when Jesus comes back, there will be a trumpet sound. That's why I believe that no one's gonna miss it. There's gonna be a trumpet sound, a trumpet's blast. It also says in Revelation, it talks about those seven, those seven trumpets being ushering in the fullness of Jesus' rule and reign. I, come on. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Until then, we're gonna stay fiery for Jesus. Amen. We're gonna keep pushing forward. And so we, we see these trumpets going on, and it signifies biblically, it signifies that victory is taking place. And I love like the, the order here because it, it's going to say that you're going to send the trumpets uh, ahead of the ark. We've seen the ark leading the way, the ark being the presence of God, right? We've seen the presence of God leading, leading the way uh, this, the, uh, up until this point, and now the trumpets are gonna go ahead. And it just signifies, for me, it's a very tangible uh, 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 imagery for Joshua to just keep this in mind. It helps him to keep declaring this vision, declaring in faith that the victory is ours because now the victory is going ahead of, uh, uh, ahead of them. The victory's ahead of them. That's, that's good news. Uh, I, love, I love that imagery and I think it's important to have some things that remind you of God's promises in, in your life. It's actually one of the reasons why we have random little bits of gold throughout the building and you see the little gold cross but nothing else is, is gold. It, it's because these are just little reminders for our church of what he's called us, called us to. Let's keep reading. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. There's more of that seven. And the priests shall blow the trumpets and when they make the long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of this trumpet, then all the people shall so shout. People shall shout. People shall shout. Come on. They got to shout with the great. The, I like how it says it twice. You got to shout. And just in case you missed what a shout was, do it with a great shout, he says. Do it with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up everything straight before him. Verse six. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, take the Ark of the Covenant, let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass before the Ark of the Lord. And so God gives him a, a plan. The plan is the overview of what God is calling you to do, that direction that you're supposed to be going in. The, the plan ensures that you are going in the, direct, the right direction. And so the question is, as you are seeking God for the promises in your life, have you sought him for the plan? Has he spoken to you the plan? You know, one thing to mention about that is a pattern that I see within the Bible is that God often gives different parts of the plan to different people. It, for, for whatever reason, it keeps us working together. Amen. And so when we're not in togetherness, we can rightfully say that we probably aren't seeing the whole plan of God. And so there's just an importance in us being together in this in us developing that community, in us actually talking about these things. And we see also uh, different amounts of uh, the plan being spoken to different spiritual authorities, right? As, as leaders may have more of the plan than the, other, than the other people, right? We saw that with Moses. 
Moses had this encounter with God. And he said, all right, we're going to lead the people and we're going to go. And the other people didn't have that same encounter. They just had to follow. And we'll see this a little bit more with, with Joshua also. Let's look at the process because God will also communicate not just the plan, which is the overview of what he's calling you to do, but the process is more of the step-by-step of how to carry out the plan. So verse eight says, and and just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns, before the Lord uh, went forward, they were blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded, and this is interesting to me as a a leadership thing, Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make a voice heard, neither shall a word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So here's what he didn't say. He didn't give them every piece of the information. He did not say, hey, listen, uh, we're gonna do this for six days. And then on the seventh day, that's what God spoke to Joshua. And so Joshua is leading this out, but he tells them that here's here's your part. Here's here's your role to play. I I, I will tell you when, right? And so it's just just notable there. And I, I think this brings me back to that whole reason why God parted the waters again for Joshua. You guys remember that? Why did God part the waters again for Joshua just as he did with Moses? So that the people would know that God was with Joshua just as he was with Moses. I think it's so important that the people knew God was with their leader. Why? Because they had to trust him. They had to trust their their leader. And I just feel like there was kind of a a prophetic word, but it feels awkward for me to share it with you directly um, as as the pastor and the senior leader of of this church. Um, And so can we just pretend that like, I'm just sharing this to a group of people who are not necessarily uh, a part of this church, but a part of the church. Can Can I just say this? I believe that the spiritual authority of leaders will be greater where the reverence of the congregation for spiritual authority is greater. The spiritual authority for leaders will be greater where the reverence of the congregation for spiritual authority is greater. I think there was this rightful push at one point in the, uh, within the church, this push against like the Catholic church, when, when they would declare, I'm the pope, I'm, I'm the bishop, you can only hear God through me. You only know the Bible through me. I I think that is a load of malarkey and we need to do away with that. We were good to push away from that. And what we're pushing towards is that we can all hear the voice of God. We were created to hear the voice of God. God loves to talk to his people. But add on to this historical event, this societal development of the wildly individualistic, and then kind of the section of country that, that we live in with this great individualistic uh, perspective and, and this drive to be an individual. Sometimes what happens within the church is that we do away with the uh, leadership 
that God has placed. We do away with the leadership gifts in Ephesians 5 that God has placed on individuals to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And I think as we're doing like pastor appreciation month, I just wanted to throw that out there that what if one of the reasons why pastoral authority isn't so great is because pastoral reverence isn't so great because we're so individualistic. Practically, what does this look like? Okay, because that's a lot of big words. Um, And so here's what this would look like. This would be like you looking in your life and saying, all right, Pastor Steve, Pastor Cindy, Pastor Alicia, Pastor Nick, Dave, Eric, Lynn, Jen, Johnny, Lisha, Lori, Megan, Tisha, anyone on our, our leadership team, Listen, so-and-so, listen, pastor, I've, I've got this decision I'm making in my life. Would you be praying with me for this? And while praying for spiritual guidance for yourself and expecting that you are gonna hear God, also be praying that there would be confirmation and maybe even further direction coming from your spiritual oversight. I actually felt a little bit of conviction, so there's some, some heat on this on the back end on, on, on my side because this was a step that I had to take. Um, I felt myself remaining in a season of like questioning the spiritual leaders over, over me. And just to be clear, I think, it's, I think it's healthy to question. I think it's healthy to question spiritual leaders even. Are, are they leading biblically? Is there spiritual fruit? Are they just... I don't know, uh, like putting their name on their own stuff to get their name brought out there so that everyone would see how awesome they are? Or is this actually a man or woman of God? Is this actually someone who's empowered by God to carry out his, his ministry? I think it's good for us to, to question those things. It's healthy to know who you're following and that God is uh, calling you to, to follow them. But when that season of questioning turns into a season of multiple months or years where you're living outside of the will of God for creation to fall under spiritual leadership, uh, there might be something you need to address. And that's what I was realizing in myself. There was a heart issue that I had to address and I had to get to this place of, of just saying, God, I'm done living outside of, of your will. For, for living under and functioning under spiritual leadership. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. And I'm trusting now that my God is with the spiritual oversight that I, I have, and so I'm, I'm gonna submit. But it's, it's so crucial that the people trusted Joshua because he would have had the necessary parts of that, that process that they would need in order to claim those promises, right? They would have need to to follow. So consider this for a moment. What did faith look like for uh, the people of Israel versus for Joshua? What did faith look like for them to exercise that? Faith for Joshua looked like boldly and courageously leading the people. I'm gonna give you what God is telling us to do. What, about, what did it look like for the people? It, it, it looked like them saying, okay, Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna follow out uh, what this leader is calling us to do. You know what else uh, was uh, showing their faith? They're shouting. That's why you hear me shout in worship. That's why I'd love to hear some more shouting in worship. (laughs) I would love just the woo, the shouting. Uh, I I often like think of that when when I'm worshiping and I'm just like, walls are falling down. Come on, 
This is your vision. Walls are falling down in southeast Idaho. Walls are falling down here in Idaho Falls. Walls are falling down here in Rigby. Walls are falling down. Shackles are being broken. I'm stepping in in faith. And that's why you hear me up here like, woohoo, you see me jumping around. That, that's what I'm proclaiming. I'm, I'm choosing to put on this faith vision from God that this is what he's, this is what he's, he's doing. Uh, we, gotta, we gotta shout. We gotta get a little louder. Someone once brought up to me, is that song even biblical? To get a little louder? You guys remember blind, uh, they called him blind Bartimaeus? When he came to town and he heard that, uh, he heard that Jesus came to town and the guy was getting rowdy. It's like, Jesus is here, Jesus, Jesus. I need to get healed. I need a touch from Jesus. I'm gonna get loud, I'm gonna get loud. And the disciples and the other people are like, dude, shut up. <laughs> shut up. And you know what the Bible says he did? Got a little louder. It's like, Jesus over here, I want you. I need a touch from Jesus. Maybe we just gotta get a little louder. Let's get rowdy up in here. Anyways, back to the process. Verse 11, so he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp, and they spent the night at the camp. And again, just note that they all marched back to camp, and Joshua's not saying, all right, guys, so like six more days of this. I picture like Joshua gets back and he's like, it's a good day. I'm gonna go take a nap, right? Because that's what Jesus did. He was napping on the boat, right? I wanna be like Jesus. We gotta take naps. <laughs> Verse 12, then Joshua rose up early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on and they blew the trumpets continually and the armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to camp and so they did for six days. So I picture Joshua doing six days of naps just in the afternoon. We're gonna take care of business and we're gonna go nap. Right, we're, we're, we're gonna go, verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early. I like this day. You guys ready for the seventh day? At the dawn of day, they marched around the city in the same manner, seven times. And it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. So this day was a little bit different. Sometimes we wake up and we just gotta declare, this day's a little bit different. I'm waking up with a new perspective. This day's a little bit different. And at the seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said, shout for the Lord has given you the city. So good. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. As you get closer and closer to the promises that God has placed in your life, I think it's important to listen for those few things. You want to listen for the prompting for greater faith or that purposeful paradigm? How am I supposed to view my life in this season? How am I supposed to view this job in this season? How am I supposed to view where I'm living in this season, right? Just go through the process of, of your life so that we can step into this purposeful paradigm. We wanna listen for the plan, the overview of what God is calling you to do. And we're gonna listen to for the process. This is details on how you are to do what God is calling you to do. And then we wanna listen finally for the purpose. Why is God calling you to do this? Why? For me, this is probably among the most important 
of this. This is, if I don't get the other ones, and oftentimes I'll, I'll get like the plan, um, and I will get the plan, which is the overview, and then I'll also get like the purpose, and the purpose is the heart. I've got a heart that goes deep. I just do, I feel deep. I, I'm terrible in growing at communicating what it is that I'm feeling. A lot of times, I'll, I'll just go to my wife and I'll be like, ugh. <laughs> so what's going on in your, ugh. It's, just, it's, it's all I know, it's, it's what I can do. Uh, so I, I communicate about that much, but I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel deep. I remember I uh, recently was at a pastor's gathering and I sat around these tables um, and I had a couple seats open to my left and um, I'm not one of those people who are like, oh my goodness, a celebrity, this guy's so cool, I can't even talk, I don't, you know, all, all, all that stuff that sometimes happens when you see like celebrity figures or whatever. Um, but this guy's like, he's like legend. Like this guy has planted churches. He's been a faithful pastor for decades. Um, he, he has recently passed off his church to someone in such an incredible manner that he's still now on staff at that church and working within like the unity. It, it's, with the church transitions that I have seen um, throughout like just even our, our denomination, it, this is almost like unheard of and so this guy's, this guy's in, incredible and we end up having this conversation around the table and um, he, he began just asking the question of how do older leaders come alongside younger leaders? Like, how does, how does this actually take place? Because, excuse me, because so often there's just this, like, dividing line that goes between the younger and, and the older. So how does, how does this work? And they're having their conversations. And then he looks over at me and says, well, Ben, you're, you're a younger pastor. What do you think? I said, well, I mean, you guys have so much experience. You've got so much wisdom. I mean, I can tell by all your gray hairs and stuff. And they're like, well, Ben, look at your beard. You're starting to get gray yourself. I'm like, shh, you be quiet. And I said, you, you could tell younger leaders all about what you would do or all about how you would do it. But the thing that would help me the most and a lot of young leaders that I know is if you could help us to grasp the heart of why it is you did those things. Why did you lead in such a way? Because that why is going to transcend and it's going to do something within me that's going to make the what and the how just fall into place. Let me know the, the heart behind it. Let me know the purpose. And so God communicates his purpose here in verse 17. It says, in the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers from whom we sent. But you, verse 18, keep yourselves from the devoted things of destruction lest when you've devoted them to take any of the devoted things, uh, let's see, lest when you've devoted them you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. Verse 19, but all the silver and the gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. 
they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as all the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down because that's my God. He's that faithful. So that the people went up inside the city, every man straight before him and they captured the city. Then they devoted all the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen and sheep, donkeys with the edge of the sword. Verse 22, but to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go to the prostitute's house, bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. I like this verse because in ministry, I feel like it gives me a freedom when people come to me with ideas. I get to say, well, it was your idea. Go run with it. I'll empower you. I'll give, all the, I'll give you all the tools, right? And so Joshua's saying that to these two men. Well, it was your idea to save her, so, you know, go. Go and do it. Verse 23. So the young people, uh, so the young men who had uh, been spies went in they brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her and they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp and they burned the city with fire everything in it only the gold and silver and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord and so they obeyed all of the direction that God had given them but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her Joshua saved alive and she lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath at that time saying, cursed before the Lord be any man who rises up and rebuilds this city. Why? Because the purpose is that this is all devoted unto the Lord. Why is this important? This purpose of having things that are devoted to the Lord. Uh, because there's always this tension with humanity to be like those seagulls and say, mine, 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 mine. We, we have this tendency to say, oh, this belongs to me. Yeah, oh, I like that. That belongs to me, right? And with this, um, with this reminder, this devotion of the Lord, we recognize everything I have belongs to the Lord, and everything that I have is to be used to the glory of the Lord. That means for his for his purposes, his direction. And so there was devotion unto the Lord. I think um, as we move towards a close, if someone could come and um, help, me, help me close. Theologically, we can rest assured that if God has a plan, that God's plan has a purpose. And that each of us has a place within that purpose, and each of us has, is a part of a plan that God has, and the truth of the scripture says that God works all things for good for those who are called according to his, his purpose. God's got the right paradigm for your situation. That's the right mindset. It's the right vision. He's, he's got that right paradigm for your situation, so seek him. As you are stepping towards the promises that God has in front of you, Seek for that paradigm. Seek for the plan. God, what's the overview? What's the direction I'm supposed to be walking in in this season of my life? What am I supposed to be walking towards? Seek the process. God, give me the step-by-steps. Give me the step-by-steps and the purpose. And listen, as you are seeking him wholeheartedly for these things and you begin to recognize, wow, I'm, I'm missing some of these. I don't know what the process is. 
Maybe that's because God doesn't always speak to everyone in the same ways. And so we gotta begin broadening our circle and our community of people who listen to the voice of God. And we gotta invite them in and we've gotta process together. We've gotta have those people who are praying along with us and then speaking in. And when they speak, we gotta take those words and, and weigh them before the Lord too. It's so important that we, we have this group of people in, in our lives that are praying and seeking God with us. And whether we hear God right away, which I love it when that happens, or we're seeking God over a long period of time, rest assured in this, that the same God who knocked down those walls is the same God that makes himself available to you and I today. Listen, there's no wall that's too big. There's no mountain that's too high. There's no problem too vast for our God to handle. He makes promises. He walks with us in those promises. And he is faithful and mighty to cause those to come to pass. Come on, would you stand up with me? Father, we just declare these things today. We thank you that as we get to be in relationship with you, as we've declared that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, that upon that moment, you placed your Holy Spirit to live inside of me. That means you're closer to me than anything else. That means we should be able to hear your voice just like everyone else in the Bible heard your voice. And we should be able to hear it so, so readily. And so we thank you, God, that we get to be in this type of relationship. We thank you that you've got promises on our lives. We thank you that you're showing us how to move forward with those promises. And here's what I felt like uh, the Lord wanted us to do as we close. If I could call our prayer teams, any members of our prayer teams to come up, I've asked them to just kind of prepare by praying and just asking God for prophetic visions. Like if we're wondering what are the promises that God has in, in, in my life? What, what does he have in mind for my future? What, what, what part of the plan do I get to, to play? That that God would speak those out and just give us a little, a little picture of that because it's, it's not that big of a thing for the God who sees all things. So I've asked our teams to just be praying and expecting God to be speaking some vision. So I just, I pray that over prayer teams. I pray that over us, that you would give us prophetic vision, that you would speak to us whatever promises you would have for us and whatever process you would have for us. We just speak these things in the mighty name of Jesus, who we proclaim king and victorious over our lives and over everything that's going on in our lives. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in with us today. I really do hope and pray that this message has been transformative in your life to help you to take steps in relationship with Jesus. If this has been a blessing to you, there are several things you could do in order to give honor where honor is due. Uh, we would love if you would give us a like, go ahead and give us a subscribe, go ahead and share us, tag us, uh, quote us, do all of those things in your social media feeds we would be so blessed by that if you have any more questions or need any more information about who we are what we believe or if you'd like to give towards the forwarding of ministry here through rise church you can do so at www.risechurchid.org god bless have a great week